Dive. How are you, Mr. Mick? I'm good, Trent. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well. So we are back for a round two conversation. Lots to discuss. Another really good round. I mean, it kind of feels like probably the best first two rounds in, in some time. Heaps of discussion points. Basically, every game has something. Well, no, I would say every game has something fairly significant to discuss. How did you feel at the end of the round now? Uh, yeah, look, um, just with uh, some family stuff, I didn't get to see as much football uh, this weekend as last weekend. But what I did see, yeah, I tend to agree. It's, it's been lively football and uh, obviously the adjudication of new rules has uh, yeah. been up and about, uh, which is, uh, look, it is what it is. We'll get into it in more detail in some of those games, but I like how the umpires are approaching the players and the players approaching the umpires just to get clarification about why they made a decision rather than getting shitty with each other all the time. Um, but, yeah, I mean, fast-paced games and some uh, some really good footy to watch. And big scores as well. So the yeah. AFL must be pleased because some of these levers that they've pulled have actually made a bit of a difference. Um, all right. Well, let's go through it. So big thanks to our sponsors at Hopstone. Hopstone is a craft beer delivery service. Please check it out at hopstahome.com.au. You can use the promo code AFLDEEPDIVE to get $25 off your first pack. So amazing deal. Extremely good prices for very, very good craft beer. Uh, so some of the kind of, you know, they put in their pack some of the, you know, classic um, breweries that you've, you've seen around. And then there's heaps of stuff that you've never seen. So it's an amazing selection of craft beer. Definitely check it out, hopstime.com.au, and that promo code makes it really cheap as well. Subscription service, pretty modern style. It can be paused and, and resumed, so even if you only try a case, see what you think. Um, I reckon you'd be pretty pleased with it. It's very, very switched on operators that have been on board pretty much since the beginning. So we're very excited to have them on board again for 2021. Uh, check out as well the Making Their Mark interview that we did. So we interviewed the guys from the Amazon documentary, uh, Luke Tunnicliffe and Gil Marston. Uh, fantastic um, chat, I thought. Um, they gave so much of their time and um, it was uh, really the only long-form chat that they've done. So if you've seen the documentary or even if you haven't and got a bit of interest in what it might be about, there's not too many spoilers in it. It's kind of a bit more of an overall conversation and it's, yeah, it's really, really, I think, worth listening to. Like we you know, didn't really have to ask too many questions. They kept the conversation going really well, which was great and it, I think it flows really well. It's a really fun conversation. Um, so check that out. And then we're also going to have another chat uh, catch up this week with Sam Wiedemann too. So you'll we're recording this Monday night. Um, so you'll be hearing this Tuesday morning. So any questions you've got for Sam or anything you think we should discuss with him, shoot through to any of our socials, email, all the various things. Because, um, yeah, there's, I think there's, we haven't spoken to him really for almost a year. So there's quite a lot to, yeah. to talk about. Um, his experience in the hub and... Where he's at with his rehab and Ben Brown and you know so many different everything talking points. In well, yeah. yeah, and everything that's kind of all the various things that have happened in Melbourne as well. So, um, yeah, so shoot through anything you want us to chat about because I think that'll be an interesting conversation. So Thursday night, last Thursday, we had Carlton Collingwood. Collingwood won one hundred six to eighty five. Well, we completely misread this, but I think a lot of people did. We both tipped Carlton. I, I Funny thing is, just before we get into this, like, I've had, you know, Nathan Buckley at the end in the press conference was like, you know, eyeing off Tom Brown Excited. and very aggressive with, with the media. And I, and I heard him in his presser today as well, and he was pretty uh, angry with the press. And, and, and that's, you know, that's Bucks a bit. 
But to be fair to the media to a degree, like I think some of them way overreact, but to be fair, we've seen two games and the practice game. The practice game, they were terrible, and that's it's a practice game, but they were awful, and they, they were really, like, Collingwood was so, like, at sea. And then it's surely, I mean, look, if I'll put my hand up. If they play like this for the rest of the year, obviously I'm going to turn around and say, well, wow, Wow, what a, what a blimp that was. But if this, like, mm. it's still at this stage a concern because they turned up round one. That, you know, it's hard because in time people won't look back at it as, it, look, it, it looks on paper like a close-ish loss, but the dog should have won by a lot more. So for me, you know, it, it's still a concern, Collingwood. Like, it's bizarre in that, like, you know, it, it, almost everything we criticise them of, basically most of them turned around. But I would just say as a side note before we get into the game, before they get too uppity at people criticising them, I think we need to see a little bit more sample size first before, you know, they've gotten very lucky with Thursday night's game now going to be in Melbourne, um, not the Gabba, but anyway. So I guess, what did you think of this game? Like, What a bizarre scenario with Collingwood essentially reversing all of their problems so far. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, <clears throat> Always tends to be a, a good omen for, for for Bucks when the media and everyone are saying that they're not playing very good football because yeah. they usually turn in a performance that uh, shows everyone up. And, but I'm somewhat convinced. I mean, <coughs> like yourself, the Collingwood are, are, are going to be thereabouts again because they're coming up against a team we'll get into cult in a second that um, haven't really progressed. No. So to beat a team that is the lower end of the mid-table at the moment um, by what, 21 points. Um, it says that Collingwood is not playing finals at the moment. Uh, as good as Grundy was and as good as Dugowie was and as Sidebottom and, and Penderbury, I mean, again, they're still relying on the same four or five players yeah. to <laughs> win matches for them. And if you take one of those out, um, they look vulnerable. Uh Cox was given a couple of iffy free kicks because of the chopping arm interpretation, which two of the instances that I, I saw him get a free kick, I don't think they, yeah. were, they were there. And um, so you take those two and he kicks goals out, but that there's his influence um, gone. Like, yeah, I, I think the, the media have, have had the, that right to um, pick some holes and, and have a, a bit of a crack at yeah. Collingwood, in particular that Grundy deal. It's, it's a huge... Deal. Oh, I'm not uh, backing down from discussed. that. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, but at the same, in the same breath, I mean, if you don't have a, if Bucks is going to have a crack at one um, media commentator, I'm happy that he did it at uh, our mate. Because yeah. he does say some shite. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's, uh, yeah. Let's uh, look this game, and we'll get into the specifics. But for me, I was as shocked as I was with the turnaround of Collingwood from one week to the next, like how can it go from mm. that far as I was disappointed in Carlton not able to continue and and strengthen upon and last a bit longer at the positives yeah. we saw against Richmond because Richmond did, Richmond did really have to genuinely step it up to beat them. Yeah. And the gear, let's put it into gears uh, to use, I guess, a very classic sport phrase, but... Against Hawthorne, I didn't think Richmond ever left third gear, really at all. No. I think they held them at pace the entire day. Whereas with Carlton, they did genuinely have to play in fourth gear a little bit, which is a big a bit. credit to them, to Carlton. And I was really disappointed by how that it, it, it just didn't continue. 
the game started okay. I mean, I thought the I thought Carlton used the corridor really poorly. Um, their entries looked pretty aimless. Um, you know, Williams looked okay early. Fisher's clearly so important to their structure. All the, you know, there was little things that seemed you know there was little signs that they were in this game, but it, it just kept you know Collingwood just kept chipping away at them. And, you know, all the things that we criticised them were back. Like, Grundy looked like he was, like, okay to good. Adams was significantly better than what he was um, in the previous week. Even Cox, I thought, was was pretty good as well. Darcy Moore, again, was even better than round one, which is, I mean, what's this guy ceiling for this year? Like, wow. Yeah, like, if this is going to keep going. He's incredible. Um, yeah, there was some good battles. You know, Moore versus McKay. You know, McKay still kicked a little bag. Four? So, he kicked four in the end, yeah. And then, like, Weedering Cox. It's a shame that didn't continue because I quite liked the Weedering Cox thing initially. Um, I think... Collingwood did it, and and then they kind of flipped things around a bit. But you know, like Gibbons, I thought was really good Gibbons, for, it was for good. Carlton. Yeah. yeah, like there was some good signs, but it's just not. They're just not consistent. They're just not consistent. And you know, when you've got like you know side bottom and these guys, these you know veterans cutting you on the outside, I just thought they were beyond this. I just, I, re- I think I just really wanted to believe. I just really wanted to believe that Carlton were were ready and were there and. Same. You know, Jones as well, like, gave away some horrific free kicks at times. And, you know, it was really left up to Weedering. I, I just thought we were beyond this where, you know, there's a couple of pillars that have to hold the entire thing up. Clearly, um, Cripps is injured, clearly. And it's come out tonight, like, multiple media outlets have reported that he's got a whole range of injuries. Well, he has. I mean, like, we, we, we speculated last week. That we, we did say we were like, well, they're saying he's not, but... You know, Carlton had double the um, Collingwood intercepts for a, a long period there, just because they were being so peppered. But, uh, you know, Blue's structure, it, they were okay at slowing Collingwood down, but then they weren't able to make the switch to turn the game onto their terms. They were good at, like, at least slowing the pace, because Collingwood want to play breakneck, and they were, sl- they were okay at slowing it down. But little things like, you know, not protecting the corridor better and just little it's just it's just simply not there yet and that's the thing that's frustrating i thought we were beyond some of these more basic structural issues that they've had over the last few years i really thought that we were beyond this and then they kind of went into themselves or went into a very defensive game plan which shit i mean if i'm a carlton fan i'm thinking are we still here like surely we're beyond this where we can defend the ground good enough to offensively move when we need to yeah exactly and it's like they don't have. It's like a kid learning a learning a, a skill for the first time. They they get the first part. They've got to stop and readjust their thinking. Oh, this is the other part that needs to get done. And there's yeah. that. Um, it's not a smooth transition like you see from your, your Richmonds, your Sydneys, your Geelongs, all these teams that have been able to work their system, play the system for a bit, get skillful at it, and yeah, turn. Defense into offense very, very quickly. Carlton just seemed like they get to a point again. Uh, what are we doing? Yep, uh, offense. Got to move it along. There's no seamless seamlessness to it, and there's no killer instinct either. No, it's like no they grunt. get to a point where it's like, oh, another honorable loss. It's almost like they had those five or six seasons of honorable losses and and, and, and a few wins, and that it's ingrained in the. Um, spirit mm. of the, the the football club, and it, it, you can see that it's got, not can't last too much longer because the the supporters and like us um, and other football commentators 
are expect the expectation is now for them to to move forward like Gold Coast are currently doing and and win games that they should or at least be super competitive. This should have been a one goal game either way. Um, uh, it's disappointing as good as Collingwood were. Well, Carlton like two different few things I want to elaborate on there as well. Carlton blew their chances in the third. And I think this will be, it'll, it's one of those things we will just get completely forgotten about. But there was a strong period in the third where they had majority control. Majority, yeah. And, and they just don't capitalise. Just to further your point as well, so that game was the 20th time in 30 games under David Teague that uh, Carlton has conceded, I've just written this down through the night, has Carlton um, conceded a 30-point run within a match. So 20 out of 30 games, they've conceded a 30-point run in a match. Like, that's... Wow, that's... Yeah. It's it's pretty concerning. Like, that, those that kind of numbers... super concerning. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, allowing, yeah, too, too much control from the opposition to put a scoreboard pressure on. I just thought we were beyond the point when all they could do is stop bleeding and defend. Like, I really, really thought that with... You know, it seemed on paper like they had an okay balance and variety of, of offense. And then now with Sam Walsh really improving and, you know, hopefully with an up. I mean, this is the thing. What was going on with Cripps during the offseason? They've had a long time to get him right, and he still looks very injured. Um, yeah. One other weird, just very strange thing. Where was the AFL edge for that Taylor Adams goal I think it was either in the first quarter or the second quarter. I can't remember. It was the first half for sure. The edge is definitely at that ground. Why did they not? That was very strange. You know, I know it didn't matter in the end anyway, but that seems very weird that they didn't review that. It was very close. Um, anyway, but look, look, I, I, I don't, I, I want Collingwood to be better than this. And I, I definitely want the, you know, Carlton to be way, way better than this, but that's, we'll have to leave that for another week. But I, I don't know. I, I just think, like, it's not enough for me. Like, we, we saw... How do you turn up round one and, and, and be like that? You know, that, that dog's loss should have been 20 or 30 points easily, you know, at least, if not a 40-point loss. It should have been a lot worse than that. Um, I don't know. They were defending so much better. They wouldn't allow either side of the ground to gain enough space. Every time Carlton would um, switch to the uh, fat side, uh, defenders would peel off. The mids were assisting really well. Like it was a really good performance, and I don't know. I, 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 it's a very strange scenario. I, I want to see a lot more of it. They, I mean, they've got basically, I would say, the best backman in the game. And wow, what a, what a, what a bizarre situation they are with their contracts, as we spoke yeah. about last week. But anyway, I, look, I really thought, look, Carlton now, like, so Carlton. Someone's talking about this yesterday. So Carlton next got Frio. I don't think they win that. Then they've got Gold Coast up there. They're definitely not winning that, and then they've got they might win the Freo. I don't think they're winning that, and then they've got Port. So uh, then they got Brisbane, <laughs> then they've got yeah. then they've got Essendon. So it's not out of the question that they win the Freo match, maybe, and then they win they'll win the Essendon yes, match because Essendon won't have any players left by round seven. So like that's not I'm, I don't think I'm being crazy to suggest that it's a genuine possibility that by round eight they've won one maybe two games yeah which then becomes that well the pressure you know Carlton and faithful are getting very very sick of this um yeah so I, I I don't think this can last much longer I really feel for Teague but when you look at some of these numbers it's it's very very damning and it's also very damning as much as 
it's not his direct fault, obvious, obviously, but to not have another season with Cripps clearly at 40-50% after they've had a whole off-season is a uh, big big concern. Anyway, so, yeah, big good, look, good on Collingwood. I hope, I hope this continues. It's very, um, very strange, but I, I hope it works. Um, and then in one of the most bizarre games that you've seen, I mean, certainly, I don't even know what to make of this game. Like, obviously, we've got to talk about the Blixar scenario at the end, but um, Cats... Uh, Brisbane, what a! I mean, there's the Chris. This this game has more. You could do a whole podcast on this one easily, like with the Chris Scott scenario. This, this was a mini series in one game of football. Like there was just different chapters and so much going on. Oh. from obviously the uh, the commentators having to be asked to leave, to and leave, supporters having to leave. Yeah, because of the COVID outbreak. Because so Kerry and and Hodge had to go because they were in Queensland yeah. in that time, and then obviously the supporters asked to leave and, and self-isolate that's that's one thing and then yeah the the big sales thing at the other end um uh, the the lucky neil and um uh, rowan incident and then obviously subsequent scott having a having a bit of banter with the players and who said what and all this type of stuff it's just fascinating and then again it looked like how far by geelong turns yeah. into a one-point game um on the back of some some really good play from essentially the, the the two guys that you and I are most concerned about at Brisbane. It's the the, the twin towers up up forward played some really good football. There were some absurd misses by Hipwood specifically though. Like he he missed some absolute sitters. They shouldn't have been in the position they were in. But obviously that that uh, Blixarps things are free. Anyone that thinks it's not um, you're either a psycho Geelong fan or, or you're Stevie Wonder. I don't Chris Scott. What do you think? Well, what, what do you think about the Chris Scott thing? I, I, I personally, I don't think it, it. I don't think it looks great, and I think for no. low, lower levels, I think it's pretty poor. And as someone, I was thinking of you when it happened because as someone that, uh, for the audience, someone that's you know uh, president of Little Athletics and you know does a lot of work around around that um, part of society. I guess what, what do you think about this? Because I, I think that looks poor. Oh, yeah, uh, I was very. Very dumbfounded and surprised to see Chris Scott approach the players. First of all, he would hate it if Fagan had done it to his players, and it's happened before. Um, the fact that he is quite a, an approachable coach too, like he was interviewed before the game. Uh, so there's those two. But overall, it, it's a bad, bad look. Um there's there's certain things on a football field that just aren't done. I think coaches approaching opposition players is one of those, um, yeah. and I think the unless it's something really drastic, coaches approaching the umpires, I think that should be left up to the captain of the teams at quarter time, half time as well, because it's the cameras are everywhere, yeah, and lots of as you said. Lots of different age groups, younger people um, watching that vision, and if there's no context about what's going on, which is not because we never know what's being said, yeah, um, they just see that as okay um, actions, and it's clearly not. It sounds like what well, about you? Well, yeah, I think it's poor. I, I think it, I think like I obviously like it's not WWE. Like I, like it just looks very um, average and. Uh, it's really unnecessary, and it's always been criticised in the it, past. To see it again in twenty twenty one seems a bit ridiculous. And what's I, the I, point? What does it prove? What it, it's see the advantage? That well, nothing. Get out of it. it does nothing, and I think it it shows a lack of control. And 
a lack of humility and a lack of um, yeah, just understanding of what's right and wrong. And and it's not really it's pretty average when you've got you know Selwood and Guthrie trying to tell him to come back. So I, I think it's poor. Mm. And, but I think aside from all of that, the thing I dislike the most um, is is the optics of it for lower leagues. I think it's it's rubbish. Yeah. Um, I think it's really really poor. Um, but anyway, the other thing too, the well, the other incident was the Selwood tackle, which I actually didn't. A lot of people were really critical of this. I didn't think that was that bad. Like I, the the player, I forgive me, I don't remember his name, but the uh, Brisbane player sort of went like this. He just sort of went like a dead fish. So the Selwood kind of really kind of, for me, looked like a pretty typical tackle. He's not to know that the player would decide to just go like this. And just freeze and and I don't know I I don't think he got suspended I didn't see anything unless it happened while we we're recording this is Monday night um, the 29th but I don't know it seems no, it just seems no, pretty atypical I think, I think yeah I think it was more that it was because I remember the incident and I think people got confused as to what really happened because it was a fair tackle like Rouse there was hmm. nothing wrong with it but it was after the whistle had been blown for a free kick and he got a 50 meter for it. And I don't think the umpire was able to explain no. exactly what was going on at that time because they've got to keep the game moving on. Yeah, yeah. I think he did explain it to Salwood after the goal or a point of big kick. So, yeah, look, there's nothing malicious in it. I, I thought, like you, that more was made of made out of it because there was that 50-metre penalty, but the 50 was there because the tackle happened yeah. after a free kick had already played, which is that's what happens. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I thought it was a fair tackle. And, yeah, what, what's he supposed to do if the guy goes in? Well, and, and the head flinches a bit like it does that, you know, whiplash because he's, you know, essentially playing dead. So, I don't know, it was a bit odd. Mm. Um, bit odd. The umpires, like, this was a very strange round for umpires. I agree with what you were saying before about their explanations and stuff, but it, it was definitely one of the poorer weekends yeah, for them in right. terms of decision-making. Like... This was there was a few really strange frees. Uh, I really disliked the one uh, Harris Andrews. I don't remember if it was on Hawkins, but there was a ridiculous free paid where essentially, and this doesn't really work for audio, but imagine he's um, you know Harris Andrews barely had a, 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 like a palm on the forwards. I think it was Hawkins forwards. Um, mm. Uh, like just below the shoulder, right at, at, above the shoulder. So obviously he's reaching out for the mark at best. Didn't pull on it. Didn't didn't press or anything like that. And um, you know that that to me is 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 it just what, smacks of well, it just also smacks of that too. But it also smacks to me of like they've been instructed to move the game along as fast as possible and encourage as many frees as possible and. If you've got a 50-50, in their mind, 50-50 decision, whether to pay to the free or keep it back in defence, it's it's just make keep it forward, keep it forward, keep it forward, score, 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 score. That That's what it looks like yeah. to me. And that, I, I don't know, it'll be interesting to see over the next couple of rounds whether that's that's the case. Another, so this game has a lot of talking points. I want to raise this with you, right? So I watched this in full and then I watched the, the Swans-Crows match the following day. And shockingly... You know, looking back now, and you know, we 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 thought Swans and and Crows are well out of the eight. Now I, I think Sydney are going to push for the eight, and I don't think the Crows will, but I think they're going to be way higher than, than than we thought they were going to be. Is it possible that Geelong and Brisbane are really not as good as we think they are? 
I mean, I know it's very early, but this did not, for a large chunk of it, did not feel like a game between two genuine, like, serious contenders. And I know it's very early. I know, I know. But the quality of this compared to the quality of the following morning was significantly, like, miles apart. I thought the Sydney-Adelaide game was better skills. It was a better quality game, which if you'd told me that pre-season, I would have said, "There's not, what's happened? Like, how many people got injured? What happened that caused that? So do, what, do you, what yeah. did you think about the quality of this? It just doesn't feel – they don't feel like top teams. No. So for, for, for one thing, it, it feels that Geelong have been heavily reliant on Damian Fields' energy that he brings. They just did not have a spark. Like Stewart was the only player that – Iron Selwood, sorry uh, – that seemed to move with any spark and, and, and sort of – um, wanting to put an influence on the game. Um, they just didn't have that sort of um, high energy that you usually get. And obviously, um, Dangerfield's one of those players that uh, just likes taking the game on if nobody else is. Um, and Brisbane, Brisbane looked like this, like seriously hungover from last season. That, yeah. that They played so much deeper um, and, and they haven't got the, the wheels quite back on that car. I think both teams will be slow to get started um, and then they'll start. And, and Chris Scott's quite um, sort of familiar with this sort of um, having to back up the next season. So I'm not writing either of them off just yet. But no. was, I was expecting a lot more from this game it's- um, than, than what I got. It was, it was at points very unwatchable, uh, just between the arcs type football. I was like, oh, really? Well- Friday night? The other thing, that's the thing. And the other thing too is what I, one of my notes that I took during the game was there was hardly, well, there was that too, but there were hardly in tandem with that. There was hardly any minutes in the game when both teams were playing really well. It did really go from Mm. one team's playing really well and then the other team's playing really well. Uh, uh, It just sort of went back and forth. You know, the second half, Brisbane's pressure was a lot better. Cats for me got, constantly in the second half caught over-defending up the ground and they constantly got caught over the back. That seemed to happen constantly and they kept making the same errors over and over and over and that really led Brisbane back into the game. But, yeah, um, I don't know, very, very strange game, obviously marked by an absurd incident at the end. Another talking point through this game as well, Lockie Neal, you know, the Brownlow medalist from last year, he was tagged heavily in round one. And, and barely, he was okay in the second half of round one. Round two, basically tagged primarily out of the game. What, I game, mean, yeah. What do you think about this? Like, this is this is pretty interesting. One of the game's, you know, top players is, has had basically no influence so far. Yeah, I mean, I've always liked the tag mm. in the game. I think it, it's, oh. it's, a, it's a unique... Um, skill. Not every player is able to do it, um, and not any, not every coach is able to implement it at the right stage. Whether yeah. it's for a whole game, um, or whether it's just parts, depending on who the player is and where they're playing. So, uh, yeah. Oh, look, if you can nullify such, he's such an influential player for Brisbane. Mm. Um, I thought it was, a, I thought it was a smart tactic to do it. Uh, we've talked about trying to tag a Cochin or a. Martin at Richmond, but they've got too many weapons. So you got to pick your battles when you're doing it. So I thought I thought that was a good um, good decision by Definitely. Scott uh, to do it because who knows what could happen had he been 
let loose to play his normal game. He's such a damaging player. He gets so much of the footy. And as well, in the second half, it was definitely a mistake. You can, I mean, if Fagan was here, he'd say, well, if I leave him in the midfield, he's he's still, you know, struggling. But at the same time, it was a mistake when they finally did move Neil forward to get his hands on the ball and, you know, try to get something out of him in the game. It was a mistake really when they did because then, you know, the midfield was poorer as a result and mm. it meant that, you know, Geelong could... Um, could wrestle control. I, yeah, Higgins as well. Like I think he's he's obviously still very good, and he's going to fill that ablet void. I think fairly well. What do you think about the Izzy Smith late goal? The irony of it. The amount of times like he's been involved in these close matches with um, Hawthorne. It was awesome. hilarious that he was yeah. there. No, it was it was good to see. It. And look, he both he and Higgins are going bringing obviously that. Um, Polish and, and just outside run that I guess so long have been talked about not having enough of. Um, and then, yeah, they can go forward. Uh, I think Higgins is still trying to get used to the Geelong style. I, I saw a number of times he being caught out of position and holding onto the ball a little bit too long and then either incorrect disposing or missing his uh, um, teammate by hand or foot. Whereas, obviously, Izzy's had so many close encounters over the years. Yeah. He probably knows the Geelong um, uh, way of football just um, because of being exposed to it so many times over the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, going over I'll, some... tell you, I'll tell you what, though. Yeah. I, just, uh, just no, no, go, go. I thought... Part, uh, the one player over the first two weeks that I think has, has continued on his growth from the finals is Parfit. I thought it was exceptional, especially in the first half. He was good. He was good. It's mm. funny looking over the stats. Like, I, I didn't look at them all through the game and subsequently, um, you know, Geelong really dominated a lot of the stat major categories. So it, it is interesting, I think. Um, there's definitely clearly some concerns for the Lions and it's, it's not good. Now that they lose that Gabba match, I know it flips the one that, that Collingwood um, and Brisbane play later in the year. He's now going to be um, at the Gabba. That was going to be in Melbourne, but yeah, to me potentially zip and three. It's, yeah, it's hard. It is, you know, yeah, hard. Well, it gets then to the territory of there only being like a handful of teams that have been able to, you know, get um, anywhere near the finals, let alone in there and, and doing anything in terms of any damage. Um, I don't know. Look, should we keep moving? I mean, it's a very strange, strange old game that you know is always going to be marked yeah, by well, that that thing at at the end. But one one other small thing. This is just I I think this is embarrassing. And someone that watches you know world sports and stuff, oh, I just think it's very ridiculous. And I was talking about this two things quickly. Someone said today, like. I saw this this conversation of the last few days. Like, do you know, do you think it's a bit, you know, like not unfair, but do you think it's a bit disappointing in a way that, you know, Franklin didn't really do any media or anything like that? And you know, I was thinking about it in comparison to like um, Giannis um, Atatakumpo. He, when he started in the league, was um, you know someone that you know obviously had a bit of a language barrier, obviously as well, and didn't really speak that well. And I was thinking about recently. Um, at the All-Star game, hearing him speak and they had him mic'd up and stuff and he's now fantastic um, in the media. And I was thinking like they have in the NBA like contractual obligations to do a certain amount of media per year. It does seem incredible to me in some respects that the players want more money, they want to grow the game, blah, 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 all that side, all that, keep that in the back of your mind. But in relation to that, you know, the game's two biggest stars really in Franklin and Dusty basically don't speak. 
And find, I find that, mm. like, pretty... The only reason we have heard from Dusty is because he wins basically all the awards. So you hear him at the Brownlow pedestal, you hear him at the, you know, the, the grand final every year, you hear, you know, without, you know... That's the thing. If he doesn't win those, then if he gets close to them or whatever, I guess he's not. He hasn't got the aura that he's got. But even that's all. It just seems amazing to me that they can get away with that. But then, even in in relation to that, again, Chris Scott comes into the press conference afterwards, and the first question, of course, is, you know, from whoever, you know, what did you think of, uh, what did you think of that free at the end there? You know, it seemed like a, a ridiculous decision. And Chris Scott, incredibly, has the, you know, just the audacity, really, to go with, I haven't seen it. Don't, don't know. I, I haven't actually had time to see it yet. Chris, you coached the team. What? Where so, were you? You were in the box. You didn't see the end of the is game. Is that right? Well, it was the I end of the game. Stupid. Where were you? Where were you? you? Do you not coach from the box? You coach from a cupboard? Like, where were you? You're already walking down the stairs. Well, that's the thing. But, like, it was, like, that close. He can't. It's not like he was, like, oh, I was in the lift. So what do you what do you mean? Like anyway, that to, to me that just seems incredible that the, the media access with the AFL and some of these guys is so poor, and part of it's so poor because they're allowed to go, nah, don't, I, I didn't see it, or, or just go, do you want to do an interview to promote the game and you know really heavily increase the reach of our game? Nah, don't care. I'll just take my one point five million dollars. Like I don't know. It just seems Thanks. it seems amazing. Yeah. But, you know, Buckley and Buckley got caught out um, in his press conference as well. I can't remember exactly what he said, but they had asked him about um, uh, uh, who went down with the ankle again. Um, oh, um, yeah. yeah, Elliot. Yeah, and, yeah. And at halftime, they uh, spoke to Wrighty, and Wrighty went, "Oh, look, we're hopeful it's nothing major. Uh, he'll get scans tonight." Or uh, in the morning. So then they asked Bucks again. Oh, so we spoke to Ryder. He said this. He's like, oh, I don't know anything about it. It's like, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> like, it's like, stop just bringing out the words that you've kept in your, your memory bank just in case it's a tough question because you sound stupid. Like, you're not answering the question directly at all. Like, well, yeah, and it's poor. I, I, it makes, again, it makes the sport. Unprofessional. It does on the completely. world stage. It does. It looks ridiculous that that they can be secretive and they want a largest. Like if you look at the percentage share of what, like take NFL, what, what the players take versus the broadcast deal and all the various you know money that comes into the game. You know the AFL PA and and various players have put forward to the AFL saying, "Well, this is bullshit. How come if you look at the NFL?" This is the amount. Of, this is the pot of dollars that the the, the league gets, yeah. and this is the pot of dollars the players get, and their percentage is so much higher than our percentage. Well, it's because that sport is globally applicable, and if we're not even going to act like we're a professional sport at times, how can we possibly be even remotely classed as global? And this is exactly goes back to my conversation I went with last week, which was. A Twilight Grand Final is a complete no-brainer. Last year was too late, 100% I agree, uh, particularly with all the injuries that ended up finishing at 3 in the morning. But you start at 4 o'clock and then it means that for big sections of Europe and big sections of the States in the morning and, and the afternoon respectively, they're able to see a bit of the game. At least they're able to see the second half. I just don't... I, how... But they want that money. It's like, do you not realise, like... Why that, that Houston thing with China and the NBA was a big deal? Because China spends billions of dollars 
gives the NBA billions of dollars a year. Like, it's a huge sport in China. Like, we're mm. huge nowhere. Here, just here. And even here, we don't have the whole country. So, like, to me, it, it just smacks of delusion that they think they can ask for all this. They want higher percentage share. And then it's like, oh, all, all Buddy needed to do was, like, you know, a, a five-minute spot on 360. Like, just something like that. That's all you need to do. Roughhead, I saw during the week on radio, Jordan Lewis was saying that he and Roughhead, like, basically begged him to come on 360. Because obviously, you know, Robert and Jerry were like, do you reckon you can get him on? Like, you know, because they're really good friends of him and his bridal yeah. party. And he was like, no, 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 don't don't want to do it. Like, but it's not, you don't have to give up much and then you could potentially get so much more. I just don't, it's, because I agree with the revenue that the league takes in, Dusty should be on more than a million dollars. That's the reality. He generates a lot of money for the league. But the league is smart. They're not going to hand over more money when they're just turning yeah. around and saying, Nah, nah, I just won't speak. I just won't do any interviews. And I'll just pretend I didn't see it. Like, that just to me seems unbelievable. Like, it's amazing that we're in this position. But anyway, that's... And then the following game, so Swans, Crows. This was a great game. Uh, fantastic watch. Again, um, I think they had the highest score again for the round. Let's have a look. One, I think they must have. Yeah, with 121. Yeah. So, hi- highest score again for the round. I mean, like, w- what is happening? If If... If the Swans make finals, this has to be one of the most impressive and fastest rebuilds in history, given that they're under extreme financial duress with old mate we were just talking about. Like, it just seems... Old mate Frank. I mean, it just seems incredible with the amount of money they've got to give Frank and everything going on that they can pull this, like, ten rabbits out of a hat, let alone one. Like, is this shocking? It's shocking to me that we're, we're even talking about them in this position. I texted you during the game. I'm like, I think they're going to make the eight. Like, they're really good. Like, this this side, they're third on the ladder. It's I know the ladder's like, it's the it's round crazy. three ladder, but it's bonkers. Like, this is shocking. And again, like that um, development department and their recruiting department oh. is excellent. They, they just pull out players and, you know, who's that? Yeah, yeah, who? They're Where'd they get him from? Oh, like the Magoo second somewhere down in the middle of um, Wagga Wagga or somewhere like that. Yeah. Those go, yeah he's, this, this kid can play. He's hard. He's tough. Well, they have, have a system and off they go. They also clearly have an incredible list person with amazing negotiation skills in, in that they go to these kids and go, hey, um, we have about twenty. We have about twenty thousand dollars to spend. W- would you be okay with twenty thousand dollars for the year? And they're like, "Oh, but my agent says that uh, Essen are offering me four hundred thousand. No, 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 no. Twenty thousand dollars. You'll you'll 20, take you'll take this twenty thousand dollars. You'll live in a Sydney bubble where no media will annoy you. You get to play with Buddy and have some. Three hungry jacks, and with just twenty thousand dollars, you can barely afford. Well, you can barely afford food with twenty thousand dollars in Sydney. We definitely can't afford rent. You're living on the street, so uh, to me, you're living at the bottom of Central Station. Uh, But like, you'll have to beg for food. Beg for food. Well, yeah, you'll have to hitchhike, hitchhike, hitchhike to training. But even it's one of those ones where uh, I guess one of those you don't see many of these, obviously. But like Hickey, he's at his fourth club. It, you know, mm. it, you would have thought, surely th- this is a bit of a, you know, Hail Mary getting Hickey on like $5 an hour. And he is fantastic. 
he he looks like one of the better ruckmen in the game. And outside of like Stefan Martin and Gorn, is he right now? I know it's only been two rounds, and Grundy had one good game, but he's really really good. He contributes to the team. He, he's he seamlessly goes. fall. He well, he kicks goals. Nan Kerber's not kicking any goals. He's he's he kicks him out in the full. He's seeming like he's seemingly like just you know fallen into place. It's amazing. Like I, I just don't you know they have ridiculous overlap run. They they've got a really diverse forward line with Papley and Heaney. Shockingly, their midfield has become so good. All of a sudden, they've got what Frio. Carlton, all these guys are desperate for is a cons- and now the dogs who've got they've got there, but like a consistent enough for a uh, midfield so they can swing Heaney forward, like what you know the dogs do with um, Bond. And like if you'd said to me in the off season it'll be as good, it'll be so good to the point they can just you know have the luxury of rolling Heaney forward 70 percent of the time, I would have said no way they're going to get no they're going to get gutted in 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 the centre and incredibly like. Oh, mate, Logan, like this kid, who is this guy? Like just all who these did kids. Who you get him from? I don't even remember. But like they're just so incredibly impressive. They've got poise. They've got nothing to lose. You know, they've just got so much going for them. And then they come up against a really good Adelaide outfit. You know, their switches were so good. You know, Tex kicked um, kick six. You know, last week I said, surely Tex can win the Coleman. Now he's leading the Coleman. I know it's only been two rounds. But if it, even if he kicks, a, like, a few goals a game, he's going to go deep. I mean, this was just this was an amazing game that I, I thought the standard was much higher than the previous two. And certainly, you know, I, I had Geelong at third and I had Brisbane at fourth on the ladder pre-season. And then you look at this game. These two look like they're in those kind of numbers. Mm. And we had them both, like second and third, bottom or bottom four, anyway. I had the crows at seventeenth, and then I had I had the swans at like I can't even remember, like fifteenth or fourteenth or something like that. But mm. I, I just can't believe you know they're kicking big scores. Papley looks invested. You'd think, well, you know, he was trying to get out, trying to get to Carlton. You know, he isn't he having a laugh now? Like, thankfully, yeah. he yeah. he ended up staying because look at this, like they they look amazing, like. And Walker could have kicked even more. He kicked six three, but like obviously Franklin's so good to have him back. He, he crazily now he's just like cream on top. Just bring him in. Like it's just yeah, got the luxury now that they can rest and play whenever they feel like it, as long as yeah. his body's feeling up to it. So yeah, it's, uh, I look, I, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised um, at, at how both teams are going. I've, I've always enjoyed the sort of last. Two decades of the, the Sydney teams that have been around have been well coached and well drilled and always been entertaining. Um, e- even though most of that time they were more defensive minded um, than they appear to be at the moment, but I guess the rules and the way the game is, it, it opens up to be more offensive. And when you've got some tall timber and, and some really good smalls like your Papleys, um, your Heenies, um, Parker, and stuff like that that know how to find goals as well, why, why wouldn't you? Um, start being more attacking in, in Adelaide. Well, yeah, they've just continued on from that last four, four rounds of last year. Um, Tex, great to see him up and about, just kicking goals in a different fashion. Like we're so used to him, lead mark, kick goal. He got him on the run, a couple of free kicks on all, all, all types of that. And their midfield's looking pretty 
um, mm. consistent as well. They look like they all know their place. And, um, yeah, they're, again, um, they're going to be a hard team to beat and I think they're going to be much higher up the ladder than I first thought. Another thing that we just didn't see at all as well was that Parker and Kennedy would, would have a really good season. I know it's only a couple of games, but I think we thought that just surely the time has come that they'll start to drop off. Especially, Ken- especially Kennedy. He's been, yeah. he's been carrying that midfield for so long. So long. Even defensively, like, so you look at the defensive line. I was just looking at this before. So McCann, Hewitt, Rampy. Like, I just didn't think this was a, a genuinely decent defensive line. Like, they're not a great defensive line. That's probably the weakest part of this team. But they're, they're okay. Um, Lloyd, Dawson, Cunningham, like, they've actually got a, a, a good line. I, I, I have to say, of all, in terms of watchability, I think... Port right now are number one to watch. Like just to just bonk, it's just bonkers to watch them play. It's just globetrotter mm. stuff. But then second, I think it's Sydney. I really, really enjoy watching Sydney. Like they look, they, they if you see a Sydney game, you want to watch it. And that's the thing, they're so watchable. They've got they don't have quite of the names yet, which for the Sydney crowd, you know, that's gonna they'll need that to happen. But you know, with good marketing and time, that's gonna happen. So. Wow, and and like once they like this is the thing with this team. Like I know the buddy contract's very damning this year, and it's not great next year either. But once they get to twenty twenty four, I know that's like twenty twenty four. It's five years away. But these kids are so young that then all of a sudden they can then have some room in the salary cap, add a few top ups, get some finals experience into these kids in the next couple of years. All of a sudden, twenty twenty four twenty five, these kids are going to be getting towards their prime. And then they can have a serious tilt at it. I, I honestly think, looking at this, if this keeps going, I'd be shocked if they don't win a flag in the next five or six years. I think they're that good, yeah. and they're going to have one, and wow. post the cool. well, two two years away. The buddy contract disappears in terms of that anywhere near that kind of money, and then they're going to have the space mm. to move. And, and I, I, I don't know. It, this is it's so so impressive. It feels like they're going to have a real genuine chance in the next five years, which is you know great for the game because that. You know, you look at the the other Sydney side, and it's uh, it's not good. Uh, no, not so good. Well, let's talk about the next game for about ten seconds. Um, Don's Port shit <sighs> effort. It really like bad, I, bad to worse for us, and just three major injuries that were all out for ages. Years. on top of what they've on top of the already bulging injury lists, and um, yeah, Port Port just came on humming along and. Is Zach Butters a genuine superstar in the making now? Yeah, well, Butters has always been the one. I know people froth over Rosie and these guys, and he's really good. Wines is amazing and all that. I get it. Like, you know, I mean, just as a, as a like as a ridiculous side note to just, I guess, something that just shows how good Port are now. When you've got like somebody like Georgiades who doesn't play every game, he's a fringe player. I mean, he would get a game at he probably there'd be like two or three other clubs he wouldn't get a game max. So like I think yeah, one of Brisbane uh, Richmond he wouldn't get into the Richmond side. No, they got got too many like him. That's the thing, and he might maybe not Geelong because they've got quite a few. But they might even he might even get a run at Geelong too. So the point mm. is that that's it's shocking. But like Shield Draper Caldwell all injured. And now, and they're out for like twelve years. I mean, this this is a massive concern. We knew it would be toughish for Essendon. I thought that would be a bit better. I thought that would be a bit more competitive. But this is this it, this is way over now. Surely, yeah. It's, it's no. too, I mean, they're all mid-season or longer injuries. Plus Hurley. Um, that's how, how do you replace? I mean, 
they're four of your best ten play top ten. Yeah, on, on the playing list, like Draper's been so influential in the ruck. Oh, Cornwall has brought a new element to that midfield. Shields, obviously, the along with Merritt and, and McGrath, the, the three gun mids, um, and he's out again. So, yeah, it's going to be a long, long season for first. I don't know how they um, scrape too many wins together now. Uh, by no follower, just um, big body toll. And you know, I mean, we're in a situation now where. You know, they butchered it so much going forward. They're so, I get it, they're so undermanned, but they're also so undersized. And that's the problem too. We've had this conversation about Essendon so many times over the last, what well, is this, the fourth year you've done the podcast now, like, and we've spoken about this well before we started the podcast. They're still so undersized and, you know, they spend big to get, you know, Shield and these guys. And at the time we were like, they just need size. I know every year they go after Ollie Wines and every year he says no. So I They've got to think of something else or, or, or blood their own because it's just not working. So I'd, it's going to be a very long season for Essendon. I think they're going to lose a lot of games now. Uh, I was hoping that they'd be a little bit more competitive in the first episode. We were like, oh, you know, oh, I was pretty impressed by them in the practice game. And, you know, they had a pretty mentally shocked game against Hawthorne. And then now and now this, you know, Port, I think Port are probably the best side in the league at the moment. But I think, you know, they, you know they're going to get beaten around. But... Still, that's um, they got really beaten around. This could be could be a lot worse. Port were in, you know, not even that sort of top gear. They they were, you know, they could have gone a lot harder. Um, but yeah, I think you know, Porter, Porter, the team to beat. I think Port, Port and Richmond are clearly the two best teams for me in the league, and and I wouldn't be surprised if they're there in the last day. Um, yeah, back in sure. That that was what we both thought. But yeah, Butters, I, I just to go back on that, like Butters, yeah, he was the one. I think a lot of people have said like he's watched this kid like he's a genuine like next superstar type of, of level um, but yeah not much else to say to this game I mean what do you say no good no, nothing <laughs> it, it sucks um, and then Melbourne Saints so Melbourne um, toughing out another win um, St Kilda St Kilda were pretty patchy I mean it was a tough game last week um, up at um the Giants, they beat them there and in the wet and a slightly shorter break as well. So I, I just think, don't think they had the legs. They looked pretty tired towards the back end of the game. I think they really needed to to um, recoup. But to, to all their credit as well, I think I think Melbourne were good. They they toughed the win out. Um, Petrarca's just getting better and better. And I think the biggest thing of improvement for me with Melbourne so far, this is something we can chat to Sam about, was their decision-making is significantly better. And that was constantly a problem we had with Melbourne. Their positioning, but also when they switch, how they switch, knowing when to, was always a constant problem. They were constantly making the wrong decisions on the outside, and they've gotten much better. You know, Petrarca... There was a really interesting moment, you know, blazing away from a, a stoppage. Um, and then, you know, it's funny, like you, when watching him, I was like, last year he would have done X and Y, whereas this year stopped, paused, used the time that he had and made the right decision. He had a better option on the outside rather than going for, you know, broke and either trying to kick it himself or going for, a you know, a, a really like poor one-on-one option. Yeah. So that, that was... Really exciting to see that they've gone past that. And then well, hopefully it's only two games, but it's, it's looking encouraging. I mean, what, what did you think out of this? I, it felt for me that they, they've shown quite a bit already that they've passed that, that 
you know, behaviour. Yeah, absolutely. That um, showboating, I'm a high draft pick. It's all about me. Um, stat collecting has definitely gone out the window. Petrarca and Oliver look very um, strong together in the midfield and really good understanding of weak each other's um, positioning uh, and where Gorn taps the ball down to them. Really uh, same in the back line, uh, Lever and May obviously um, leading the troops down there and they're, they're playing really well together. Um, the forward line is going to be the interesting one when Brown and, and Wiedemann come back and whether they can or whether they should play with three-pronged tall attack like West Coast yeah. or, or find different positions. I mean, the beauty is they... Tommy Donald is a backman, so he could always go back there. I don't know yeah. where they fit him in. Um, or do you just leave the the, the forward line open for Cozzy? What a, what a freak. What an absolute genuine star in the making. Once he understands uh, a little bit better decision-making, he doesn't need to do all the, the fancy stuff. Sometimes he just needs to hit a teammate up, but that's fine. He'll, that comes with learning. But yeah, a lot to like about this Melbourne side. They just look a little bit more calm, a bit more reserved. Like you said, it's not champagne football all the time. They know how to just play really hard grinding football and wear the opposition down. And yeah, I think Sakhil came into the game with yeah pretty heavy legs from the previous week. Just better linkage towards goal, going for that one other option not trying to skip it and going for broke. I think they were obsessed mm. with movement, and I'd like to talk to – we'll keep moving because we will talk quite a bit about Melbourne later in the week with Sam. For Melbourne listeners, you'll get a fair dose of it later in the week. But I think, you know, there was consistently in the past where, you know, linkage towards goal was always very poor. It was not always that harsh, but, like, it was often quite poor, um, whereas now they just seem to be making far better decisions. Um, but yeah, just pick it. He, I mean, he, it has the vibe of Eddie Betts in the early days. It, that, that's how exciting it seems. It's turn the you got to turn the TV on to watch this guy. Um, he's yeah. St Kilda gave some yeah, stupid freeze. Sorry, go go. No, he's definitely going to be in that Cyril and Eddie Betts mold. Yeah, there's he's new to the game and he's already tearing four lines apart with his. Oh. Now, his agility, speed, skill, all the tally. He's got it all. Um, and, yeah, it's going to be uh, good football um, viewing for Melbourne Melbourne supporters for the next years to come if he stays on the park. Oh, wow. I mean, I'm, yeah, we'll, we'll have to ask um, Sam what he thinks. So we'll keep moving mm-hmm. just because we're going to get a lot done with Melbourne later in the week and then also St Kilda. I, I'm not concerned, like, I think, you know, that we knew that they were going to lose a few games in this early period until they get some more players back. Um, I, I think, um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not worried. Like it was a tough game last week as well. I, I think that, it's a shame yeah. in the Frawley match to, to lose. But um, yeah, look, Melbourne were good. They were good, and, and they made it hard for them. So uh, and then, so wow. So Suns North. I mean, this is a really again. We can't really talk much about this. We tip the Gold Coast. We tip the by a long way. Did, I mean, did North win a game this year? I mean, that's that's. It's a genuine question. Do you think they win one yeah, or two? I think, yeah, I think they do at some point. Um, they'll find some belief at, at, at some point in the second half. I think a bit like Adelaide, there's going to be a lot of dark at the start. Um, and again, they've got a, essentially a new playing list. They've got to work out how to defend now that Terence's not there for most of the year. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I think they will. I mean, there's, I mean, Jed Anderson <clears throat> was a, a shining light. He was very good. Um, I think Jaden Stevenson is going to bring some X factor to that forward line. Um, I think it's just going to take a little bit longer um, for them to to put some good football together for four quarters. So yeah, I think they do win one game. They're, at some point. Okay. They're missing, to be fair, I mean, we spoke about this last week, but they're missing a lot of their top players. So, um, yeah. A lot, a lot left, and a lot left the club in the last two years. So, yeah. Yeah. It's not going to be easy for them. I think Whereas one the opposite has happened for Gold Coast. They're, they've got the opposite. Oh, yeah. They've got that nice balance of skill and, and youth and uh, obviously so much high end. Uh, talent from the, from the drafts over the last four years are coming to fruition and like, no Anderson, Lukosius, Rankin, obviously they're all playing extremely good football but those top up players that they were, they were able to grab from Richmond in particular um, and Geelong, uh, these senior players with experience um, it's just a really good balance and they're probably the third best team to watch at the moment, yeah. the way they play their footy I would agree um, yeah Really, they're really, they're really, really, really good to watch. Mm. Um, and then, so just on the Suns, field kicking, there's a few little things I think that we'll talk about the Suns, obviously, as the season goes, but field kicking significantly improved. And it's not just ranking in a few of these guys, um, but I think it's it's more across the team now. Like, it looks like the skill level has just gone up that notch. And then the other thing, too, is they just have a bit of grunt now, which they never really had in the past. They've got a bit of nastiness about them, which is nice. It kind of feels like they've just yeah. got a bit of, not attitude, but just a little bit of nastiness about them, which I really bit like. Of, bit of an a bit of an edge to them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But just so balanced. They're so balanced across the ground. Like, I, I, I just can't believe how good this side has become. And I, that was probably the main thing I was, you know, from a football perspective, most impressed by out of the Amazon docker was just how much. Because you don't hear a lot from Jew, and I think he was really good and... Mm. He comes out of it very well, and I think the players love him. And you know that from the outside was hard to really, you know, really tell. But you know, Lukosius just looks like he could be anything. I mean, he just looks so, so good. It's which is, I mean, it's really welcoming that that club is playing good football because there was a lot of talk when they kicked Lukosius and Rankin that they'll see at their first four year rookie contract and then go back to SA. Yeah, I can't see that happening now. I think if they continue to improve and, and, and build as a young group, they'll, they'll want to stay together. Just yeah. like kids when they go to their junior footy, like if they're enjoying each other's company, you don't see players going off to the opposition. They, they stay and they want a, a reward at the end of it all. So, mm. yeah, I think, I think we could see a lot of these guys playing eight-plus years together. Yeah, definitely. I hope so anyway. I think so. It feels like I think if the Suns, all the all the noise you hear out of like Max King camp is that if the Suns mm. come good and stay good, he'll stay. So that seems to be the word that you hear that he's not coming back to Melbourne if if they're going to be you know going to be at least a chance of, of having a crack at some success. So that's um, good. Yeah, oh, it's very good. I, I think him coming back would would be bad. So I think that's been the constant disaster with the Gold Coast. So I think let's hope. That finally um, comes to fruition. And then Hawthorne-Richmond in the next game. I guess not really a heap to take out of this game. Pretty much went exactly yeah. as we thought well, it, it would. scripts. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, if, if, if anything, I thought it would have been closer for the first three quarters 
and Richmond would have kicked away as opposed to Richmond getting the early gap yeah. and then just hold, holding Hawthorne at bay. But otherwise, yeah, we said about 30 points, which was about the margin. Yeah. Um, all, Hawthorne didn't play bad. They just got jumped early and couldn't reel, reel it back in because they don't have the experience and they're not as talented as Richmond. Yeah. Um, but they played some good football. Uh, and as you said earlier, Richmond just got into third gear early, just hummed, hummed home. That's all they had to do. Um, just a step or two above in class and personnel and, and experience, all that type of stuff. Um, and it was there on display. It was funny that um, Clarko thought um, Silk did a good job on, on Dusty. He wasn't that influential. It's like, did he watch yeah, the same game? Did, yeah, it was, it was funny. It's like he probably didn't need to, um, like, have those little bursts of um, dusty magic. He just sort of played a very consistent four quarters. I think that's the difference. It wasn't well, dusty having a blind blinder for like ten minutes where he kicks three goals. And um, he was no very good just, though. He was still very. Oh good. yeah, absolutely. I, I thought he was a very good. It was just. Uh, I, I think like I was just trying to um, give give old mate Silk a, a good pass back for his his tagging role. There was that you know goat time moment too when. He faked right, went left, got Tom Mitchell on the wrong foot and then collected the clearance, ran, goal. That's it. No, no, no. He's doing the reverse of what we've been trying to tell the Melbourne players to do. But if you're that good, just kick it. Go for it. I'd love love it if they could do that. I know Petrarch can kind of do that a little bit. but And then Dusty like turns around and like, you know, just looks at his teammates. He's, I think it's interesting, like, I did say I was part. I was serious before about you know Dusty and Buddy, but I did watch that Foxtel KO um, thing with Nick Rewalt sitting down with um, Dusty and having that. But it actually was good. I mean, you don't really learn that much out of it, but it's it's good television. It's you know, but I think you know um, Rewalt was really talking about how his leadership abilities improved so much over the time, and I heard Jack talk about this as well in this little. Um, AFL Grand Final documentary they made recently about last year's granny. And he was basically saying, like, how much Dusty's, you know, his, uh, you know, words on field are so important and stuff. And I think, you know, his actions, obviously, you know, he leads so, so incredibly. Um, just a few other little things will keep going. But Jack Jack's moving as well as I've seen for the last couple of years. I mean, he looks really, really good. I don't know whether he was hampered by injury, particularly last year. They've not really said anything, but he looks like he's moving significantly better. Um, what did you think? I, I, mean, think I thought was, he had a really good game. Yeah, I think it was just the, the shorter games, shorter number of games, shorter quarters last year just has helped to keep him quite fresh. Yeah. Um, uh, and also that time up in, in the warmer weather has probably helped with his frail bones. Because he's the old man. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> no, that's good. Um and before you get to your next point, mm. uh, the other thing was, it's the first game this year that has been like the years gone by. So it's played on Richmond terms, very defensive, low scoring, scrappy type of a affair. Um, it had that had been free flowing, I think Hawthorne would have got a little bit closer. Mm. Probably, so. I think so. Well, there was a period there in the second and third where they did start to get. Closer, but yeah, that, this mm. was not. Um, they were in control vast majority no. of the time. Oh, absolutely, there was no threat. Not really, very brief, but not really. Um, Bolters 
ability to know when to peel off is uncanny. It's almost like he's got this ability to read the play two or three moves ahead. Like he, it is, I really, I mean, obviously with Kobe, we've not been able to watch the football live for so long, but he is a player I'd, I'd love to just sit there and just watch for a good section of the day. Like it's just ridiculous, his decision-making. It's, you know, almost, you know, vomit-worthy that they've just unearthed this guy as well. Like it's just, it is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, Dust, yeah, so we, we spoke about Dusty. Um, I liked that tackle on Mitchell. Um, he didn't need to do it, um, but it was really um, impressive. You know, he's just, just showing, like, you know, the need to keep adding pressure and, and how good that was. Um, I, I really liked that moment. Um, Hawthorne, there was a few moments where they were really kind of guarding the wrong space as well. Like, there was a few moments where they got caught out. I don't know whether this was Richmond making it seem like it was, you know, something it wasn't. I don't know. It was very strange. I'd love to know, like, the coach's opinion on this. But there were a number of times when Hawthorne were really defending the wrong sections of the ground. Like, Richmond would follow a set of play and then follow the set of play again and then mix it up slightly and then Hawthorne would get caught out really defending the wrong exits. I don't know. It was interesting. I just noticed it a few times in the game. I don't know whether it was just, you know, young players essentially, like just not quite, you know, getting the positioning right. Uh, it wasn't a major thing. It wasn't the reason they lost, but I did notice mm. it. Um, is, it is it possible Richmond's foot skills have gotten better as well? Like I was thinking yeah. about this, like, well, you know, obviously like, you know, Short and Lambert and these guys who have very, very good foot skills. But... I kind of think even like, you know, Arts and these next guys have like just just the just skill levels. Up. Oh, it's just, it's ridiculous. Just their ability to get out of trouble. I mean, obviously like, you know, Dusty will do ridiculous things all the time. But yeah, I don't know. But Hawthorne did, they were very predictable through sections. So it, it did make it easier for for Richmond at times. But um, what about your man? Um, is it... Jarth, J-I-A-T-H. C-J. C-J. We can be C-J. We can be very yeah. white and C-C-J. call him C-J. But he, he, he was fantastic. Really, really impressive. I really liked his game. I've not seen him play much, so that was I really enjoyed watching him. That was that ridiculous moment too where it was he and Dusty uh, out in, and he, th- he thought about taking a screamer over Dusty. I think he got nervous and he went way too early and Dusty guessed and went underneath and then ran back and got the ball. But that was pretty funny. But I think he's, he's he, I mean, to have the audacity to even consider that as an option on the best player in the game is pretty funny. Um, Dusty obviously proved him wrong. But look, um, I, I love the tenacity, put it that way. Yeah, look, um, there's been a lot of talk about um, his athletic ability being very suited to AFL levels for... Mm. Well, since he got there, I think he's been. I think he got rookie listed like four years ago, and uh, did his time in the VFL. Obviously, got to break through the uh, for his first game last year, or might have been a year before, made one game, but definitely got the the build and the athleticism. He's, um, yeah, he he pushed Isaac Smith last year um, in the time trial, and obviously took it out this year with no Smith. So he's a yeah, pretty exciting player to to to, to watch and. Um, brings a, a nice uh, attacking element to that back six, which Hawthorne have lacked in number of years. So, um, but uh, yeah, look, sky's the limit for for a kid like him, and he could continue uh, doing all the small things. I think he's been in the top five players for Hawthorne first two rounds. 
So that's a good sign. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, we're happy to keep moving. I mean, probably not too much to really yeah, dissect out of that. That's pretty pretty straightforward game. So I think, yeah, as I said, it ran, ran the script pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's that game. And then Dogs West Coast. Weird game. It really kind of kept building as it went. It didn't really have a... It's funny, like, I didn't see this live. I was busy most of Sunday and I watched it subsequently. It didn't really have a lot of, like, momentum or... I had momentum, I guess, but like, didn't have a lot of excitement. Mm. It was a pretty small crowd, not a lot of noise. Noise. You know, whenever it would pan to the dogs, like, you know, Bont would do something unbelievable and it would pan to the dog supporters and they're just kind of staring. I don't know, it just seemed to be a bit dour, the mood in the in the ground. I don't know. It was just sort of, didn't really have much life to it. It, didn't, it was a good game and it, it built as it went. Um you know, it was pretty close and obviously it had a bit of come from behind about it and I think it was a good game, but I don't know, it just seemed very sad. Maybe the um, microphone wasn't picking up the audience very much because on the telecast it seemed very um, dour of a game. <laughs> Even though It seemed like a game very different. They were watching a very different game to what we saw, like a raining, awful, slow game, but it wasn't that game at all, but anyway. No. Um, yeah, look. I, yeah, I, I didn't get to see much of Sunday's games, um, family commitments and whatnot. So, um, yeah, and then obviously we decided to do this tonight. Uh, so I, I don't have a I saw a little bit of highlights. Um, and, yeah, it did seem, like you said, a bit dour. Um, well, the mood for was such dour. a high-scoring game. Well, that's the thing. And it was a good game. Yeah. Um, come on, doggy supporters, you've got a team that's going to be <laughs> – Finals bound, surely. Well, I, that stadium. They might not be excited, but I bloody am. I mean, I think that there are a few things to note out of this, but the, the Dogs' defence is much better than I think we thought it was. And that's something that, that's definitely... We, we spoke pre-season a little worried about what the defence looked like, but it's it's quite good, I think. Mm. Um, it's, it's much better than what we thought. But Keith was pretty good. Um, I thought Gardner was good as well, and and they built, and even they even got a bit out of Bruce, who we've been you know pretty um, scathing in times uh, about. I thought Norton was yep. better. Um, I thought Bailey just, Williams is amazing. Like it was good. It was a very good team performance. Yeah, and the fact that they didn't allow uh, a West Coast that stacked to the nines um, in the forward half uh, to get away with more than sort of a fifteen point lead and then pull it back. Um, yeah, it says a lot about their defensive structures. So, yeah, they're, they're definitely starting to, to prove me wrong. Uh, oh, yeah, Bruce, he kicked three goals. So we won't see him for another month or two. He will not do anything because he's kicked a bag of three. So that's his uh, MO. But they don't need to worry about that with Norton, Bottom, Bally kicking goals. I think I think Bailey Williams obviously look, looks like he's going to be an iconic Dogs player. Um, Bont's obviously in disgusting form, which we already already discussed, and I do wonder whether I'm going to regret not picking him for the brown low. But um, the Martin, I mean, the Martin, Stefan Martin, English, you know, ruck forwards, you know, dilemma that they had in the preseason, which we discussed, is working really well. Like, that's that balance is, is, is amazing. Um, the only thing with the dogs, before we move on, talk a bit about West Coast, but the gap between them and, you know, Richmond, Port, these guys, a little bit of it's class, no doubt. They don't quite have the depth of class that those two top teams have got, as an example. But to me, it's taking advantage of, of when they've got momentum, when they've got control. 
So, you know, there were lengthy sections where they just butchered their chances. And not as bad as the Collingwood game, but they did definitely butcher some chances. So that's, that's what, what did you think about that? I mean, that to me feels like the gap at the moment. That That's probably the main thing that they're missing. Would, yeah, because I just counted, they had 11 players with 20 or more disposals on the weekend. But if that's not being efficient, if they're not being efficient with it, um, although it's gone by the stats, they went at 81%. So, I don't know. I didn't look like it from what I saw. I, didn't, I must admit, I didn't see it. I haven't seen more than probably 10 minutes overall of this game. So, I'm not going to comment too much on the, that question you posed to me because that, that would just be like a Channel 7 commentator. It's a lie. Uh, it's a lie. <laughs> commentating on Make something it up. I haven't, haven't seen in my life. Uh, you're mad. I'm going, I don't know. Um, yeah. So, yeah, look. I'm very excited to see the dogs come up against one of those big sides. So they've got North Melbourne next week. So that's a a huge test. Uh, Then (laughs) then they've got Brisbane. So if Brisbane can bring their A game, that should be at least some type of contest. But it it is a while before they play North or, oh no, they've got Richmond in round seven. So that'll that'll be a good one at the G. To on a, during the day, so that'll be their biggest test come round seven. Then we'll see a lot more. We'll know a lot more. But up until then, I think they're going to be tested. They've got the Gold Coast as well, so I anyway. And West Coast, they're a good side, but I, I do, I agree. Probably yeah. like a little bit of polish at that. Yeah, yeah. The finishing. Well, they just don't quite have that that top. They probably need one other really, really you know quality player. Um, particularly down back, that's the thing. Whereas you know Port Porter and Richmond have got that in spades. Um, and then West Coast. I think West Coast were pretty good. They played this game pretty well. They were in this game up to their ears. They'll be disappointed they lost because they had the lead in the fourth. Um, you know, that Liam Ryan mismark in the first quarter was terrible. That that definitely... The, the, look, the dogs got the rub of the green, definitely, with the umpiring in this game. Um, it's not the reason they won, but it definitely uh, went a little bit of a way to help them. There was some some probably pretty... There was a few, you know sketchy decisions but look that I thought they were good um thought Kennedy was looking pretty good um they you know offensively they were moving pretty well you know that's they're, they're going to be a, a good side clearly they're going to make the eight I, I yeah. think it's more about you know how many can they win and and you know what what sort of chances do they have in the end but um Kelly winning. yeah Kelly looked really the, good interstate that's the thing yeah Duggan was good yeah. Nat Nui, impressive. Hearn, again, 800 years old. He still was pretty good. So um, the Cheat had a good game too. Um, yeah. Darling Kennedy, nine goals. Sh- you put Shui and Yo back into that side. Yeah. And they, and they are missing pretty that stacked. a bit. They are missing a little bit of that polish in the middle, and that, that would have made it harder. And that would have nullified. One of them could have nullified um, Bailey Williams and a few other things. So mm. um, Bailey Williams? Bailey Smith. Smith. Bailey Smith. Yeah. Go with the mullet. Mullet. Oh, mate, Mullet. Bailey Mullet. Um, and then final game, uh, Frio GWS. Busted ass. Busted ass game. Well, Frio this should have been... really should have won this by 100 points. Well, this should have been... I was going to say 80, but yeah. Would shit. Yeah, disgraceful. No, no one wanted to win this through a bit. I mean, Frio did, and then they went, ah, forget it. So in the end, it was 11-21. 21 behinds. 21. This is, was a disgraceful performance by the Giants. Um, someone said to me, because I, I, I misread my top ladder. Hey, your face is gone. You've disappeared. There you back. Hey, what's going on? I'm um, back again. Yeah. <laughs> I Battery's had, about to die. I had the Giants much 
further out. So that was the thing I um, of the apes. A few people were like, where were the giants? Mm. I had them at 14th. So this is, yeah, the running was awful, positioning terrible. Offensively, they were bad. Defensively, they were obviously a disgrace. So this was, yeah, shocking. It was the worst game I've seen them play in a long time, really. Yeah, I can't believe I picked them um, in an upset. Uh, that won't happen again for the rest of the year. They are bottom four at this point in time for me. They're not good. Um, not good. So And Freo, well, yeah, didn't really want me. It didn't really prove much to me. I think they're going to be a better team than GWS, but to, to butcher those chances when you could have really have at home an opportunity and get a really good percentage, um, it just says more about the, the mindset of that team than anything at the moment. So... Yeah, I agree. But they're going to be hard. They're oh, Freo are going to be hard to beat all year over there. Freo will win most of their games over there. It's just I don't, I don't think they'll yeah. travel that well. And now Fife's going to be missing at least a week, if not another week. So that was the other incident out of this. Yeah, um, it's going to be tough. Concuss, yeah. So that, that doesn't help. But um, probably not a heap to discuss out of this. I, I, I don't think Freo are going to be a top side. Um, not as in like well into the eight or anything like that. There's just not enough room. But next next week we'll devote a bit more time onto them. But I think they they... You know, they're looking pretty good. The kids look good. They're just, as we said last week, just a few pieces short for sure. And yeah. the Giants just look, look horrible. Um, I mean, I'm sure they'll turn it around to a degree and win a few matches here and there, but I'm, I'm not confident at all um, about how no, things going forward. And I do I do think, you know, for me, in watching that documentary, and a lot of other people have got this same opinion, is that I just thought, you know, Leon Cameron, I just don't think he's got the players. I got that view out of it. So for that Amazon documentary, so for me, that's um, that's a big, 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 big concern. Mm, yeah, um, for sure. I agree. So that is round two. You're definitely not playing that well. No. That is round two. All the best. Hopstime.com.au. Please use the promo code AFL Deep Dive to get $25 off your first pack. Check out the Make in the Mark interview. Keep your eyes peeled for the Sam Wiedemann interview coming up as well. That's round two. Keep an eye out for the preview for round three. All the best. See you later. Enjoy, enjoy the Easter. The the Easter. Goodbye. The Easter. See ya. Bye.